de la banda de Diego. The best thing about being a teen girl is getting to have a, a job during summer. Oh, this is the Pure Boys, a Christian podcast. But God told us to change. Oh, so for the summer we're watching cowgirl flicks. Oh, get in the action, feel the attraction. Horses and teens are what a dream. Oh, I wanna be free and free to ride some horses. Man. I feel like a cowgirl. This is our summer theme song. Yeah, fudgebackers. Welcome to Pure Boys Podcast. Cowgirl Summer 2, why not? I'm Adam and you're in. And you're in all the right places because Steve is about to invade your ears with the truth. The Truth, a.k.a. The Joe Rogan Experience. Hey, welcome to The Truth Podcast, episode 69. JL Family Ranch, The Wedding Gift, 2020. Did you think that this movie, like, happened at Christmas? I think I said... that's what I thought going in. I thought... I, I think I said that last week, is that this was going to be a Christmas movie. I was, like, sure it was going to be a Christmas movie, and then it's not. It's a wedding movie. So it's kind of, like, same-same. Kind of the same thing. They're not mutually exclusive, but they don't both occur in this movie, which is a, a crying shame. Jesus' death or birth needs to be uh, praised. It's the finest way to celebrate Jesus' death or birth is by getting married on that day that they stole from the pagans. Uh. <laughs> Good for them, though. Those pagans didn't deserve it with all their spaghetti and uh. their meatballs. Oh, and... I mean, when pagans saw other pagans, they felt like they had spaghetti in their stomach. Yeah. Were pagans the original Italians? I think so, yeah. The OG pepperoni salamis, I think, is what the, they were called. Like, Which was weird, because yeah. Italians didn't exist yet, but they were still like, no, we're the original Italians. <laughs> yeah, that's what they found on all those recent pagan tablets, I think. Yeah, when if you look at Stonehenge, really, if you look at Stonehenge from above, it spells out the original Italians. Yeah, and there's a lot of spaghetti bowls uh, littered around, but they thought it was just, like, garbage or, like, cleaved off uh, stone from when they moved them, but it was just, like, bowls of no, spaghetti. Spaghetti bowls. And, uh, yeah, so much time had passed that the spaghetti had rotten and been taken back by the earth, and all that was left was the bowl holding that spaghetti. It's classic. Look, just look in a history book, and you'll understand, everyone, all right? Don't come to us for history. Look, do your own research about everything. Follow the spaghetti. That's right. Follow the spaghetti. There's a second bowl of spaghetti somewhere. Yeah, from the grassy knoll. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you got that. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy you picked up on that. Well, whatever you think about, uh, you know, famous killings, you always go back to the two shot wonder. Oh yeah, you go back into the left to the two shot wonder. You just... <laughs> hey, should we do the pure boys prayer? Yes, I gotta put down my wine. Here coffee. we go. God, God bless our podcast, please. God bless all podcasts, please. We love you, please. Amen. 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 woman. You know, I never want to stop that prayer. I just want to keep praying like that all day. Me too. Yeah, I want to get down on my knees and show God how much I love him. You know, after well, a hard day's work. 
Well, after it's done, I feel like I've left God, which is the single most hurtful pain anybody could feel. Oh, even worse than childbirth. Even worse than anything a woman could say she experiences. Uh, As a man, the worst pain ever is leaving God. Leaving God's grace and his comfort and ending that prayer, which is why, you know, Christians are the best of us. Oh, the best of us, just not the rest of us. Because they feel the pain of childbirth on a daily basis, or more so. Oh, on a daily basis. Women have to feel it once up to eight times in their life. Men have to feel it every day when they hang up that phone call to God. And it just, it hurts, and it's not fair that we have to suffer so. Is it kind of crazy that, like, God didn't put a limit on eight? No, I think it's cool. I think it's all right (laughs) that he was like, yo, go buck wild on hate. Love? Oh, only limited supply. Hate, though, Whatever you want, baby, it's all yours. I I genuinely agree. Now, Adam, what are you drinking on this fine day of why not um, John Void edition? Well, thank you so much for asking, Steve. I am, of course, drinking a Peller Family Vineyards Cabernet Sauvignon. There is a lot of wine left in this box. I have a feeling I'm going to be drinking it all summer until it turns to vinegar. Um, but... Uh, It's beautiful. It's delicious. I've enjoyed it so far. I'm going to pour myself a nice glass right now. Well, Adam, I'm Uh, so glad you asked. This week, (laughs) I am drinking... Steve, what are you drinking? Ricolte. No, that sounds uh, French. What do you think? Ricolte? Ricolte. Ricolte. No, that's pepperoni salami again. This is a French wine. You think it's French? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to guess it's... uh, 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 I think it, it has a couple of roosters on the front, oh. so I think it's rooster wine. La cocks. Ville Ferme. Beautiful. Yeah, that means two cock wine. Well, it could be two cock wine. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Does it say tabernacle anywhere in that bottle? Uh, it's just like scrawled with tabernacle <laughs> on the it's back. Carved uh, label. into the bottle, yeah. Yeah, like a crazy person went in it. But that's cool. It's uh, 750 milliliters, uh, 13.5% uh, alcohol per volume. Wow, that's a lot of alcohol per volume, I think. I don't, I don't yeah. know. What's per volume? What is a volume? ABV, alcohol per volume. Exactly. All right. Oh, I almost poured this into my uh, coffee. <laughs> well, that would have been an interesting start to episode three of Why Not? It would have been interesting. I kind of wish I would have went for it and not, like, succumb to my logical ways. Right, yeah. What color is that wine that you're drinking? Hold it up. Let me see it. Let me see it. Well, let me smell it first before I tell you what color it is. You're drinking out of a coffee mug. I forgot. That's the classic Steve style. It's moist. I can tell you that. Wow. I'm getting hints of wood. Oh. (laughs) There's lots of wood. That's your own erect penis you're smelling. Uh, no, I'm definitely so- smelling cedar wor- wood. Yep, still your penis, yeah. Birch, I think I'm smelling birch. Okay. Pine, mm. a little bit of pine wood. Mmm. Mmm. It's very heady high. I gotta um, say, mine smells complex, medium-bodied, and it smells like it has a smooth finish. Mine says the exact same thing, but it's all in French, so I'm not a hundred percent sure. Oh, the wine is. I thought the, I thought it was a dark bottle of wine. I didn't realize that the wine is dark. Wow, <laughs> why am I so impressed <laughs> by that? <laughs> yeah, the wine is dark. the The bottle's not clear. It's like a a green, but it's uh, it's not a dark bottle. Mm, re- should we dome these? Ready? 
Here we go. Yeah. One, two, three. three. Here comes the dome. Mm, that was a nice sip. Oh, I'm not a cow. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not, not a coward. To chug wine. I'm not a coward. I'll I'll chug that first glass of wine like it's nobody's business, buddy. <laughs> Nobody chugs wine. Not even like Putin's chugging wine. You say nobody chugs wine, but I've chugged three glasses of wine on this podcast. <laughs> so I think clearly someone's setting a precedent for chugging wine. Yeah, three out of five glasses that you've had from this box has been chugged, and you're about to go three for six. Yeah, correct. Unless you chug this one. No, I'm not going to chug that. You chug the first one. Jeez, how many times do I have to explain the rules of why not? You chug the first one to get a good buzz on, and then the second one you can enjoy. But the first one, because it has such a smooth finish, you can just slam it down like it's nothing. <laughs> like it's nothing. Like it's but, nothing. But what about the first one? Well, that's what I mean. The first one, it's like nothing. <laughs> yeah, but it is something because it's like oh, vinegar. This wine sucks. <laughs> I, it has too many tannins for my palate. Uh, it's a little yeah. bitter on the Yuck. palate. Uh, <laughs> See, and then when you chuck the wine, you get the uh, burps, and then our subscribers just chundle. Skyrocket. Our <laughs> chundle. Chundle yourself, all right? Grab your chundle and take it to town, all right? Because uh, I, I, I have a very important question for you before we talk about our chundles any more than that. Mm -hmm. And that is, of course, the most important question we ask every week as my stomach gets nice and warm from that first glass of wine. Steve, whomst was the bagger Vance of J-Off Family Ranch? Well, J-Off Family Ranch uh, hit very much home to me. Yeah. It's uh, definitely uh, make me think about uh, the government <laughs> and how it imposes its uh, world on us. And the freedoms that we give up on a daily basis. Beautiful. So I would have to say the Baker Vance of J.R. Family Ranch was, of course, John Voigt. Now, Adam, who do you think was the Baker Vance of J.R. Family Ranch? Well, Steve, thanks so much for asking. I'm pretty sure your answer last week was also John Voigt. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, for me... The Bagger Vance of J-Off Family Ranch, it was, of course, the founding fathers who who gave us the Second Amendment that uh, John Voigt so fervently defends in J.L. Family Ranch. You can pry this gun out of my old dead hands, he says to James Caan and the rest of the government. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to fight for your rights and stand up for its right and uh, take it to them. And sometimes you gotta go march to the Capitol to take it right to them. Sometimes. 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 Not every time, but sometimes. Yeah, not every day. Not every, you know, failure you're gonna have to storm the Capitol, but some sometimes you have to do it. Who can afford all those plane tickets? You can't go every day, but you can go once a year at least. And then yeah. you, you storm the Capitol, you commit high treason, insane federal crimes. And then you just hop a plane back home like it's nothing. The end. Easy peasy. I think the lesson there is the the airplanes made the money. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I think the lesson here is that 9-11 was an inside job. That you can't melt steel at that temperature. You can't. Don't even try it. Don't even experiment it. Just so you know, they can't uh jet fuel can't melt dank memes, alright? So don't even try it. 
I'd like to see that on the Discovery Network someday. Is somebody testing that out? Yeah. In full scale. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Build, rebuild the Twin Towers, crash some planes into them, see if you can melt them. Yeah. Uh, take apart the Ark that you guys made yeah. and make Twin Towers out of wood. <laughs> Very different now because jet fuel can yeah. melt wood. Wood. It, well, it yeah, can burn it. Melts it. it right away. Oh, it melts it right down into a puddle. Into pulp. <laughs> So you can make uh, paper. Amen to that, brother. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Yep. That's a book I want to write, is how they take apart the Ark and build Twin Towers and then fly a plane into it. And then at the end, you know, you get Paul. Yeah, you're a real Howard Hughes for that. You you're, you got big dreams, buddy, and I hope one day you get to make them come true. I want to make paper for the masses, and you can't do that with a couple of pieces of wood. No, you can't. and they're wasting so much potential paper on that arc. That like that was what the people were so mad about in Noah's time was that hey, we just invented paper. Come on, you're wasting so much of it. Please, we need to write our books like the Bible, <laughs> like the Bible yeah. and other naughty tales. <laughs> I mean, that is the Bible's original title: "The Bible and Other Naughty Tales" by mm -hmm. God. That's cute. People probably talked about how cute that was. Oh yeah, and it was cute for like a thousand years, and then I don't know, some pope was like. Look, we got to get rid of the and some and other naughty tales out of there. The Bible is good enough. At, what is the Bible? What does that mean? What is that word? Why is it called the Bible and not just like God's book? Uh, probably because of Babylon. Oh yeah, probably because yeah, in preparation of Babylon five. Yeah, definitely that. <laughs> like the Book of Babel. Maybe it was a twist on Babel. <laughs> Maybe the Babel. Probably something like yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, somebody from the south was trying to talk about the Babel. Are you you had to talk about the Babel. The Towers of Babel? Is that, is that what it was? Well, that's certainly a thing. The Bible takes its name from the Latin <laughs> Biblia, book or books, which comes from the Greek Tabiblia, the books, traced to the Phoenician port city of Gebel, known as Biblios to the Greeks. Writing became associated with Biblios as an exporter of papyrus, used in writing and the greek name for papyrus was bublos did that answer the question See, i don't know should have just called it god's book well i think it answered the question that it's really all about the pulp papyrus i mean oh yeah oh well apparently oh no no never mind <laughs> there is a christian joke that says that the bible is an acronym for basic instructions before leaving earth <laughs> that's cool it's kind of cool yeah it's clever yeah. I'd have a t-shirt of that. I feel like there was a rap song called that. Basic instructions before leaving Earth. Life is a test, many quests to universe. And through my research, I felt the joy and the hurt. The first should be last, and the last should be first. Basic instructions before leaving Earth. I think that was a rap song, if I remember correctly. Made just now by me. NWO style. Yeah, and yeah, the NWO. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Style. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. of course. I don't have time to bring up that uh, audio clip. Did you know that we get copyright strikes all the time on the show, but we've never gotten one for the Beggar Vance theme song? That's good. It is good. It's not bad. No, I, I would like to not ever have a strike against that. That would be terrible to me. If we get one strike against it, we're ending that segment. Ending. Ending it. The show. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the the show, thus the segment. We'll be born again, though, for sure. We'll come back in seven days or two weeks or whenever he came back. Three days? Something like that. Yeah, like a spell, a fortnight. Like, he played a lot of Fortnite and then he came back. 
Yeah, because it was like Good Friday, and then like on that Sunday he melted or something. Yeah, he melted that stone into pulp. Jesus was famously made out of jet fuel. Not a lot of people know that, but he could turn water into wine and wine into jet fuel, and he melted down that rock like it was nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the sequel to the Twin Towers turning into pulp uh, book is the book about Jesus' life and then him turning rock into pulp in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, him shooting rockets out of his feet and flying up to heaven. Pretty cool. (laughs) How did he fly up to heaven? It had to have been rockets. Rocket feet. Duh. Duh, idiots. Read a book for once in your life. Do your own research. The Bible. Yeah, basic instructions before leaving Earth, all right? That's a good. I I like that uh, acronym. I think uh, they're geniuses for bringing it up. Yeah, the guy, obviously a guy who invented that, must have just been so, like, proud of himself for coming up with that acronym. Hey, probably, like, choked on his own spit and died, and then somebody (laughs) found it, and then probably a bunch of those happened. Exactly, yeah. They cut his head off, and they they shined a light through his eyes, like in Wild Wild West, and then they had to turn his head upside down so they could see the last image that he saw out of his eyes that was burned onto his retinals, which is real, of course, and then it was him, it was the words on a paper that said, It's crazy that we're not using that technology more more like every 48 hours show where they're trying to find a killer or something they should just like shine a light into the dead person's eyes i mean that's the thing it solved the murder of that guy that scientist in wild wild west they 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 looked at him and oh that's general bloodbath mcgrath who was pulling that thing out of his head so obviously he's the guy who killed him like it's i don't know it's like that would solve so many murders but people the cops are lazy yeah, and like make sure you get a bunch of mirrors so it's inverted so you don't have to turn your head because it's always going to be upside down. Well, you just got a cool little thing that you just rotate the actual head. It's fun. It's like a fun little game. <laughs> so you want to make sure the head's cut off. Of course, of course, of course. Cut the head off the dead person and then shine a light through the back of their head. Is it because you want to make sure that it doesn't come back to light? Uh, life somehow by shining light through it and then it doesn't have a body so it can't kill you yes so that on resurrection day when jesus brings all the dead corpses back to life that person all those murder people victims don't have heads anymore and it's uh, you know tough for them he melted that rock into pulp (laughs) that's a beautiful twangy hymn yeah I, i think it should be the new national anthem for some country sure why not why not this country haiti I uh, yeah, I was thinking maybe going to Jordan, but Haiti's cool too. I Haiti rules. You know what? Haiti rules, bro. Hey, speaking of things that rule, you ready to talk do everyone's favorite segment of the week? <laughs> yes. The Kevin Sorbo Tweet of the Week. Kevin! Alright, Kevin Sorbo, hit us with what you got. This, this is your segment. Oh, I thought you talked now. No. All right. Well, Kevin Sorbo pushed this tweet out at 12.32 on June 13th, 2022. We're feeling for you. We Get some Metamucil. Do something, please. Right. No, that's good, though. That's a good time to dump. I thought he's kind of back on schedule. In the middle of lunch? Well, sure. He had to leave and then come back and finish the grilled cheese that Sam had made him. Like, do you think he's just eating kidney beans and eggs? <laughs> yeah, eggs, kidney beans, just raw cabbage. He's a beast. Yeah, he's a farmer and a Kyle Byman. Yeah, and what was that last word? 
uh, cowboyman? Oh, <laughs> sure, all right. You just said words, and I think my brain just shut them out. Yeah, I said I'm very uh, pushed out of a can. Anyways, the tweet of the week is mm. 81 million people voted for a guy who has 23 million followers, and half of them are fake. Makes sense, period. <laughs> Kev's been saying makes sense a lot, and uh, <laughs> a lot of the time it doesn't. Kev it doesn't make any gosh darn sense. I gotta tell you that much. Who like whomst has Twitter? Whomst gives a shit about Twitter? Certainly not me. I don't use our Twitter at all anymore because it sucks. I-, I was thinking maybe they're talking about political followers, but uh, I don't know where he's getting these numbers. He has to be more clear with his words. Maybe he's talking about Tim Curry or something. You gotta tell us what's going on, uh, Kevin Sorbo. Be more pacific, Kevin Sorbo. Tell us where these followers are. Put some lipstick on and kiss us with the facts. That's right. Show us your birth certificate. Where were you born, Kevin? Birth. We're birth. Probably 80. Yeah, we're Kevin Sorbo Sorbo birthers now. Kevin Sorbet birthers. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of replies. Kevin Sorbet, Kevin Sorbet. <laughs> That's great. Actually, there isn't this one. But oh, dang it. It would be fun. Well, because he was right, and he he was he said makes sense, and they were like, oh, damn. You know, he does. We can't even can't even shame Kevin Sorbet this time. He's right. Lock her up, yeah. Yeah, for real, yeah. Well, <laughs> well Kev, great as always. Uh, we love you, and uh, everything you say makes sense. Yep. Uh, we love you. We love you. Uh, I guess that's the end of the show. We said all the, the goodbyes, so. I was saying the goodbye to Kevin Sorbo because I never want to see him again. Well, you'll see him next week. We love you, please. <laughs> he does have a very striking uh, Twitter photo. It's uh, piercing to the eyes. Is it of him? Yeah, it's definitely of him, but I don't know what's within. Mm. How many guns do you think Kevin Sorbo owns? Probably none, because I feel like he's putting on a facade and he's just acting as this right-wing guy and he's getting money from the uh, Republican Party. Well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he's a Russian plant. Who knows? But I I don't know. I kind of feel like Kev's living the... He's talking the talk and walking the walk. Okay, so how many guns do you think he has and how many are assault rifles? Oh, 69, my brother. <laughs> assault rifles all yeah. of them all of his guns are hung on the wall in 69 position so his pistols are like 69ing and his assault rifles are 69ing and it's a beautiful thing well that's because he wants to walk into a room with somebody and show him his guns and uh just like giggle that's a 69 <laughs> that that's a 69 see that, the guns. those bazookas over there they're 69 Whoa, wow, Kevin, uh, Sam is getting a little warm over here. Did you start smoking, Kevin? You sound a little gruff. (laughs) What happened? Where did you develop that accent, Kevin? What happened to you? I was born in Haiti. I'm a method actor. I'm a Methodist. I was born that way. Yeah, baby, I was born this way. (laughs) That's a 69. Yeah, he says that too when he's 69ing Sam Sorbo. He's, oh, this is a 69. <laughs> I know, husband. <laughs> I know, I'm currently a part of it. I'm the nine to your six. Yeah, it's a 69. The thing is, she loves 69ing more than him, but he loves saying a weird thing during their 69 but she's got to have it. But like, hey, just between you and me, 69ing kind of sucks, right? Like, it's like the it's like the least enjoyable way to have sexual congress with somebody. I 100% agree, but 
the people who would exactly force themselves to do it because of all everybody talking about it would be Kevin and Sam Sorbo. Oh, they would just yeah. force each other to do it, even mm-hmm. if they both didn't like it. Look, the kids are really into 69ing. <laughs> Maybe we, we gotta should... stay young. Maybe we gotta stay current. <laughs> we gotta be young forever. We gotta 69. <laughs> Yeah, but when they hear about Bud stuff, they're they're probably going to be. Oh out. my god! The day Kevin discovers truffle butter is the day his Twitter ends. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah, because then we get to see the true Kevin Sorbo. Oh yeah, with a dirty dingus. <laughs> cool. Very cool. Go for it, Kev. Wear rubber if you're going to do that kind of stuff, though. Get a dental dam if you're going to be going to Brown Town, Kev. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's a good uh, conversation to have with Kevin Sorbo when yeah, you first meet him. Sit him down, talk to him all about, you know, rimming and the, and how to be yeah. safe about it and how to be gentle and how to be a proper lover. Well, we know he's going to get sick of 69ing eventually, maybe. No, not true. It's been, it's, been, go to Brown Town. it's been 59 years. He's never getting sick of 69ing. He's 10 years away from his 69th anniversary. Yeah, and that's going to be a tough year for him, just like oh, yeah. physically. God. All that 69ing. If Kevin ever breaks his tongue, it's over for him. He, it's, he's never going to be able to 69 again. Yeah, but the, I think he's <laughs> secretly looking forward to it. Yeah, he doesn't like the work. <laughs> he just likes getting topped off. He doesn't want to 69. He doesn't want to put in the work with someone. Yeah, and you get to take shifts that way, but like they're living that 69 life, so they can't get away from it. Damn, Kev is 63 years old. Hey, six years to go, bud. You got it, Kev. Hang in there, buddy. You're going to get to 69 before we do, that's for sure. Yep, yep. Well, let's Praise go, let's him. God, and uh, <laughs> let's start talking about J-Off Family Ranch, colon, the wedding gift, brackets, 2020. Yeah, we should definitely get into it. I was, uh, you know, champing at the bit to get to this uh, sequel because I loved the ending and everything about the first movie. Oh, yeah. This movie um, this movie is worse than the first one, I think. I don't think I like this. I think this one made me angrier than the first one, despite all the crazy, you know, nut-busting fantasy at the end of it. This one just made me mad watching well, at the end of last episode, you asked me if uh, the first movie was indicative of what Hallmark usually kind of pulls puts out. Oh. And having watched this, I would say J.L. Ranch was an exception. Because oh. this movie definitely felt, from tip to taint, uh, very Hallmarky, Like, very <laughs> Hallmarky. Yeah, I agree. Having only seen, like, a handful of Hallmark movies... Like, Riding the Bus with My Sister is a Hallmark movie, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, adjacent, at least. It's beautiful. That's a great movie. But, uh, and then, like, others, I've definitely seen, like, uh, I think, like, like Handcuff for the Holidays, I think, was a, a Hallmark movie. And the movie where Melissa Joan Hart kidnaps at gunpoint uh, some young stud. And then he... Osama Bin Laden. Osama Bin Laden. Young Osama. And then he gets, uh, you know... Uh, Topped stock- off. Stockholm Syndrome, and he falls in love with her, and uh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful movie about things that could only happen if the genders are the way they are. If the genders were reversed in that movie, it would be a horror movie. But in this, it's a beautiful love story, making me boner, right? And Melissa Joan Hart, woof, get out of here, <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Witch, handcuff me anytime, woof. So this movie opens with a weird credit where it just says 
Hallmark Movies and Mysteries presents. I was like, what is Mysteries? I mean, I know what Mysteries are, but what is it in this context? And I also think Mysteries are movies. So you're saying Hallmark Movies movies. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Hallmark Movies and Talkies presents. Like, they don't lay out every uh, kind of version of movie they do. It's kind of weird that they say Mysteries yeah. explicitly. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. and Weird. It is very weird. And there's no mystery in this movie. The only mystery is why we should care about Lenny and her stupid goddamn story in this. I loved her. I, <laughs> I thought she brought a lot of chutzpah to this oh. movie. She brought uh, at least something to happen in the plot and took away time from John Voight, which was great. Incorrect. I, As I texted you at like 8 o'clock this morning, I hate Lenny. I hate her. She's the worst part of this movie, of this franchise. Very true. I, I couldn't believe... <laughs> this movie because uh, it's just about a couple getting married and then this woman uh, brings home her long lost father despite uh, nobody else wanting this to happen no. and for everybody to just move on and she just wants to drag trouble into the family uh, to jay off and ranch. Lenny is the most selfish self-centered person I've seen in a movie. She just she, t she destroys her family to get in touch with the man with two million dollars worth of gambling debts <laughs> he's a cool dude and she just can't wait to bring him back into her life total frick up yeah uh abandon her uh her mother that they were very much in love with uh apparently mm -hmm. and uh everybody's telling her there's a reason why he left because he's a piece of crap mm -hmm. and she just is like yeah i'm going i'm i'm doing it well, I'm we'll doing me. We'll get to the whole Lenny bit and how she factors into the story, but we got to start with the fact that first of all, they've recast the sheriff and they've recast the ranch. Uh, so much so many different things at the start of this movie. It was like my head was spinning, and not just from this glass of wine I domed. Based on other Hallmark sequels I have seen, I was kind of expecting it. I huh? almost was expecting more. Like I I'm surprised Terry uh, Polo is back. I'm surprised the sister is back. Yeah. I'm surprised James Caan is back. That <laughs> <laughs> they didn't just recast him with John Lithgow or something like that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, Lithgow's got some steam to him, so I don't think he needs to be doing this. He would have been good, though. I would have loved to see John Lithgow in this. Riding a horse? Get out of here. Getting into it with James Caan? Get out of here. Speaking of get out of here, were you paying attention to John Voight's limp? Uh, I, it's it's there a little bit. It's not as pronounced, but it's there a little bit. But th this came out after Orphan Horse, and it's definitely not as pronounced as it was in Orphan Horse. So I'm back on the train of maybe this was uh, an affectation he created for his Orphan Horse character. Well, I'm could have just been really bad at the time, but who knows. Well, uh, yeah, What'd you maybe. Well, I was looking up if John Voight uh, had gotten hip surgery recently. But, yeah. But, and the first thing that came up I got very excited about because it said Angelina Jolie, and I thought it said reveals her dad recently underwent surgery, but it said reveals her daughters recently underwent surgery. So maybe, maybe it is just an affectation, but I think John Voight secretly got a fresh hip in between Orphan Horse and, uh, <laughs> JL Family Ranch 2 wedding gift. Well, we're definitely sleuthing it down. We'll mm -hmm. do a little bit more research to confirm, maybe call a few people, but 
we definitely will find out if he got a new uh, hip, and we do have evidence to that fact. And we also don't know that uh, Angelina Jolie's daughter isn't a doctor that did the hip surgery on John Boyd. Mysteries. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Hallmark. No, she couldn't. She'd she'd go in to do the surgery, and she'd go, I can't operate on this man. He is my grandpa, John Voigt. And they'd go, oh, solve the riddle. Can a woman be a surgeon? Nope. <laughs> That should be a t-shirt or a card or something. <laughs> or just a thing that's said in medical school. Yeah, first day. Oh, just yeah. Sweating there, all how, nervous. How many, uh, the whole class, how many of you women want to be surgeons? <laughs> Some of them put their hands up and he goes, get out. You're not allowed to. Nurses are nothing. That's who you are. Yeah, you got to sweep the class. Yeah, you got to cut the chaff from the wheat. Yeah, and that's the patriarchy for you. Just always trying to keep women surgeons down. Well, they're always trying to be analogous to uh, farming. Oh, good word usage. Anal Gus, I love it. <laughs> Anal geese. Anal geese. Uh, I love that John Voigt comes into the house and then he like he sees like his grandson's hiding and he walks into the kitchen and goes, Ah, oh, good thing I'm all alone so I can pound off in the kitchen. And they pop out and they go, I got you, Grandpa. Don't pound off in front of us. <laughs> Which is the best place to pound off uh, around all that tile, that cold tile. Easy to clean up. Yeah. Warm wood, cold tile. The oh. best place to jail. <laughs> That's what he says. When he grabs his channel, he looks into the camera and he goes, warm wood, cold tile. <laughs> and then and the kids will remember that for their entire lives. Yeah, they're going to say that every time. It's like no matter how much you shake and dance, the last two drops go in your pants. War warm wood cold tile is just going to stick with them whenever they go to bust in the future. Yeah, their entire lives. Now that's a legacy. Oh, that's a hope's legacy if I've ever heard one. Mm. <laughs> uh, John Voigt says that like, oh, I just oh, first of all, the the B and B is a go. The B and B is on. It's it's about to start running. It's uh, they're about to open. But uh, first, they need to have just some annoying character show up. <laughs> In regards to the B&B. Yeah, Bo Derek and another guy. Yeah, Bo Derek and Bo Derek's brother, <laughs> Bo Derek. I, I have a theory. Well, I, I was wrong, but I thought that maybe that was her real-life husband, some, like, churchgoer she met someday and, like, wanted to be in a film because he, he didn't seem like acting was a priority in his life. Yeah, that's a good point. Why wasn't he Fat Scott Ackerman? <laughs> Should have been Fat Scott Ackerman yeah. or Scott Ackerman, star of Winning Time. Fat Scott Ackerman, <laughs> star. He's in two or three episodes. He's in two episodes for a grand total screen time of one and a half minutes, but he's great. Pretty good. He's pretty he's, good. I'm not in Winning Time. He's good on those crutches. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Very good on those crutches. That's why I got the part. Yeah, that's why I got the part. Uh, different sheriff, new sheriff, played by Dylan Walsh. Uh, here's a weird thing about uh, Dylan Walsh that I found out in looking up stuff about the show. He was on the show Nip Tuck. You remember that show about yes. plastic surgeons? His character's name is Dr. Sean McNamara, and the director of this movie is Sean McNamara, spelled the exact same way. Zero connection, though. Like, just purely coincidental that those things exist. It doesn't mean anything. It's just weird that that happened. I feel like Sean McNamara is his brother-in-law or something like that. I, I was also going to bring up uh, Nip Tuck because that's, of course, what he's most famous from. But uh, I loved... 
the replacement of him. I hated that old uh, sheriff. He was balls. Yeah, you got to get you got to get some real thespian talent, and who better than Dylan Walsh to play cuck and uh, someone who just can't get it together? But he has uh, John Voight's respect somehow, and uh, that goes a long way for a character. Well, he's the sheriff of the town. He took over John Voight's job, so of course John Voight would respect him. He's the sheriff. I forgot John Voight was the sheriff. That uh, totally passed me. Did you even watch these movies? Ugh. Not really. This one was hard to watch. Yeah, I feel like I watched a lot of it. I didn't really... Eh. It's fine. It's okay. I took a lot of pauses. Mm. Did you notice that there is an orphan horse in this movie? Was there an orphan horse? Yeah, at there the is. end? No, at the very start. Uh, Lenny's horse is an orphan horse. Oh, yeah. So there's an orphan horse. Yeah, they keep going, it's an orphan horse. And John Voight goes, why does that sound familiar? <laughs> why is that familiar? And then they'd have to cut because... He was, like, lost in the scene. Oh, of course. Well, he keeps having senior moments in this movie. He, like, forgets where his boots are. He forgets where his hat is. He's just having senior moments all over the place. Well, they did get to keep one of the senior moments in, which is when he says, did you check her teeth? <laughs> about the horse or about his daughter? It was about the horse, but in that moment, he was just saying something crazy, and they used it in the movie. <laughs> did you check her teeth? They're like, for what? And he's like, oh, uh, that's not the line, John Boy. For tracking chips. It's 2020. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so the, the B&B is going to be open soon, but first they have to impress people from B&B magazine. Like, a th And those people are treated like gosh dang royalty, but I can't think of a less like in-demand profession than B&B magazine writers. It just, they're treated, or, they're like queens and kings, but they're just trash nothing jobs. Or any person working for any magazine ever right now. <laughs> Nobody reads magazines anymore. Right? Except for Mad. That's the only magazine I can think of that's still successful. <laughs> and this came out in like 2020. Yeah. Magazines are done. Everybody has a cell phone now. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, maybe I could see like B&B &B online. Sure, okay, fine. But like... B&B Magazine, get over yourselves. Your job is obsolete and you're dinosaurs, Bo Derek and your brother Luke Derek. <laughs> At least mention your app. Oh, friggin' Luke Derek. <laughs> that would be great if they were like, oh, we're not from the magazine, we're from the app. We're from B&B Magazine, the app. <laughs> yeah, just make fun of them for a scene or two. Yeah, exactly. We're from Chatelaine. Maybe perhaps you've heard of it. <laughs> The classiest magazine around. Oh, of course, yeah. So they show up and they're just they're just being jerks right from the start. And uh but then all of a sudden like fifty cop cars show up at the ranch with the sirens blaring and uh chaos is starting to ensue. Yeah, and there's a code seven over the radio and Tap Peterson is alerted to the excitement at the uh ranch yeah for some reason he's at like the diner in lagrange and the diner has like a police scanner in it <laughs> so why oh, of course it does and at the loudest volume so everybody can hear it. no it's too quiet james can't get him to turn it up <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the guy's like oh sure i'll turn it up and also what happened to that like what happened to the that uh you know that hot piece of tail who owned the diner now we got some guy named tony Who's Tony? I don't want Tony. Where's that redhead? Well, I feel like uh, they went with a bit more diversity in this film, and the <laughs> hot diner chick had to go. Good enough. Yeah. 
Tony. Good enough. Yeah. Tony There's Bologna. a lot of uh, wiping your hands and saying good enough <laughs> when you're casting these films. There's a lot of that behavior just in this movie in general. <laughs> ah, good enough. Good enough, yeah. So the cops show up. Uh, James Conn shows up and gets out of the truck with a rifle, just like ready to go. <laughs> yeah, he's ready to defend his neighbor's property. He's like, oh, it's a Code 7. I better get my gun just in case it's something dangerous. But what could it possibly be, James Conn? What do you think a Code 7 is? Because I'll tell you what it is. Lunch. That's what it is. It means lunch. Yeah, I thought they could uh, come up with something better than lunch, like... I don't know, um, marriage proposal? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I guess that's what's happening. Because, yeah, the sheriff is like, he's got a megaphone. He's like, Terry Polo, come out with your hands up. And then, like, right off the bat, I'm like, bad start, dude. Not a good, like, this is how you planned on proposing, by, like, scaring your wife-to-be and threatening her. <laughs> whoop, 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 that's the sound of the police, he yells right, uh, yeah. quite a bit. That's the sound of the beast. Yeah, he's not good at proposing. He mentions that they've known each other their whole lives like ten times. <laughs> um, he doesn't know how to get on one knee. Uh, John Voight has to kind of like whisper in his ear a lot during the process. <laughs> now say, will you marry me? <laughs> now say, now get down on one knee. Now like, do it. Make my daughter happy. I, I like that no one is armed there except for James Caan. And then, like, John Voight and his son are looking from, like, the far end of the ranch. And his son's like, oh, James Caan's here. Tap is here. And he's got a gun. And John Voight's like, we better get our guns. And then they run out with guns. And again, nobody's armed. Just two old men with guns now showing up. That's great. Way to take a minor, like, confusion and escalate it into violence. Great job, guys. Well, when they see police, they want to grab their guns because yeah. ACAB. ACAB, all cats are beautiful, and uh, grab your guns, boys. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I think when I see an authority figure in a uniform. I, I want to grab my gun because I'm carrying. Oh, yeah. I mean, forget about ACAB. I'm all about JCJV. What what would JCVD do? No, James Conn, James, or James Conn, John Voight. Oh, James Conn, James Voight. James Voight? <laughs> John Voight. Ah, uh, Jingle Hammer Schmidt. Hey, his name's my name too. Hey, <laughs> so, that was the visual bit. That was the visual bit. We were pointing at each other. His name's my name's too. It's fun. Yeah, that means there's two people named John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt in that community. Yeah, his name is my name too. And whenever we go out, the people always shout, "There goes John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt." La 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 la. Why do they say that last part? Why do they go la 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 la? Why does everyone do that? Because life's a comedy, baby. Why does everyone point at them and point that out? It seems unnecessary. La 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 la. Oh, there's two of them. There goes. So wait, like, are both John Jacobheimer, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt's friends, and they go out together a lot? Probably. I mean, we attract uh, what. Uh, we are people <laughs> connect with uh, similarities so as soon as you meet somebody with the same name you're John Jingle Jingleheimer Schmidt especially a name like that it's not even you know it's not like their name is John Voigt or something their name is John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt that's a hell of a name I used to sing that song in my head ad nauseum like it was over and over and over again I I love that song I love that name I love you John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt <laughs> I, I think that's my center word now is is his name is his name John and then last name <laughs> last name Jacob J Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt or is his name 
John, middle name Jacob, last name Jingleheimer, or middle name Jacob Jingleheimer, last name Schmidt. I think it's first name, middle name, last name. So John, Jacob, Jingleheimer, Schmidt. Jingleheimer, Schmidt. Okay, yeah, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) The video, like sped forward when you were doing that and uh it looked very funny well him's name's my name's too and whenever we go out the people always shout there goes jacob jingleheimer schmidt that's that's good podcasting (laughs) that's great podcasting (laughs) if i was sitting here listening to this i would think i was uh listening to two normal people (laughs) two people who weren't just cut off wine yeah, you really shouldn't have chugged it. The problem with me is that I'm double fisting between coffee and uh, wine, and it's <laughs> balancing weird in my system. Right. Well, and you know, wine makes you sleepy, so the coffee perks you back up. I should have been. I should have been. Double, I should have had Mister Browns. I should have had Mister Bruins to go with this wine, or a Red Bull, or like a Scotch. Yeah. Yeah. Scotch not. Scotch not. It's coming soon. Hey, everyone. Scotch not Scotch what you not. can do for your country. Scotch what you could do for me. Exactly. That's what he said, right? Yeah. It's all about me, me, me. Yeah. Which is what James Caan is thinking about throughout this whole, whole movie. <laughs> James Caan, who is a glorified cameo in this movie. He's barely in this movie. And yet, somehow he is the villain of this movie. But I don't understand why, based on everything that happens. It's, like, very unfair that he's classified as the villain in this movie. Well, all he wants to do is uh, help out his son, pay off his debts, because a casino's going to kill him. I don't know. Some guy just shows up at James Conn's house and is like, hey, uh, we've got an outstanding debt of $2 million from a guy named John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, or as you might know him, uh... What's my Caleb? Name Caleb. Caleb. Yeah, <laughs> I got the John Jacob. That got in my head. I couldn't think of what his real name was. Caleb. And it's hard to think of anybody else's name other than John Jacob Jingleheimer. But the fact Man. that the fact that he says that and just like John, James Kong goes, okay, I'll pay that. It's like, well, you don't know that this is your son, and you you don't have an any money he he doesn't investigate this matter whatsoever no. he immediately calls like a legal loan shark and <laughs> uh gets the worst rate ever uh for the worst odds ever he loses his ranch in 21 days if he doesn't pay it back immediately 15 percent um, interest yeah that's so Just much get a money loan from like a regular bank or something like that's that's three hundred thousand dollars that's crazy you did dude. the math well, quickly in my head, it could be wrong. I did the monster math. I did the math. <laughs> Is that where you were going with that when you said it? Um, No. Oh, because it was good. He did the math. <laughs> he did the monster math. <laughs> it was a graveyard yeah, it, math. We should uh, try to remember that for Christmas for something. Good call, yeah. I have a playlist on my Spotify called Ultimate Christmas Playlist, and it's just the monster mash a bunch of times. Your biography is going to be great. Uh, not an autobiography, an autoerotic biography. What does that mean? Uh, it means that I choke myself while I write it. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's cool. I like. Well, how do you choke yourself, though? Do you, like, hang, tie something behind you? No, I just place my hand on my throat and I hold my breath. 
What I would do is get one of those guitar holders and then lean forward on it and maybe put like a brick on my neck. Guitar holders? You mean like yeah. a guitar case? Like a guitar stand. Oh, why don't you just use a guitar? It's got that U for the neck. Well, that's a great call. Yeah, push that into your throat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that James Conn goes to the local bank and goes, I need a loan for $2 million. And the guy goes, we're a small town bank. The best we can give you is 200000 What do you mean? You need a loan for $2 million? Bro, we're Podunk Lagrange. We don't have that kind of money. Yeah, but maybe the co-op does. The co-op doesn't. The co-op has $300,000 that they piss away on James Con. Yeah, and then pilfer the rest from uh, the government. Yeah. Uh, yeah, some... Ugh, I don't... This whole movie's a mess. This whole... Again, so James Con takes out an, an outrageous loan, like Steve said, from a, a crooked loan shark who is, go like, going to steal... Like, he calls them vultures. Like, when they're, like, in the meeting, he's like, yeah, I know how you people work. You're vultures. And they're like, do you want $2 million or not? And he's like, I mean, yeah. I guess I have to, yeah. And then, I mean, not to skip forward, but, like... He has 21 days, and then he gets back to him in 19 days and is like, yeah, I don't got it. Yeah, he gives him a check, and they're like, well, this is this is substantially light. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what, you vultures? you vultures? I'm the one that's right. I'm the rancher here. That's right, yeah. I know that I had to sell all of my cattle, and John Voight bought all of my cattle. Holy crap. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, James Conn is so in the hole after this to his community and uh, to John Boyd. He's never going to get that piece of land that uh, he wants back. <laughs> With the water on it? No, he better drop that. Like, hot <laughs> potato. If he brought that up, James or John Boyd would go, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? You're, this, this must be a joke because you have got to be kidding me. Well, in the previous movie, James Caan tried to, like, burn down John Voight's entire family. <laughs> and now, John Voight is bending over backwards to save this man and his ranch and his family. Oh, yeah. And by buying all of his cattle, all I could think, I've, I have this written so many times in my notes, uh, rich white people, that, that's all this is, just rich white people just splashing money around, just dropping, like... Dropping a million dollars on a herd of cattle. Because F it. Why not? You might as well. Might as well. And this guy that's like no, in the hole not? for 600 or $2 million to the casino is not dead. He's just, he looks freshly showered and nice. And um, he just looks like a normal human being, not a man that should be dead. Right? Yeah. Because, I mean, in the last movie, it is stated that. James Conn shot his son. Right. <laughs> like he, like he, like so they, I guess he did get away. Like they keep saying, like, "Oh, you ran off. You ran off on your family." Well, no, hold on. James Conn shot him, and that's never brought up again. And we were under the assumption. I totally forgot. We were under the so did the writers. We were under the assumption that he <laughs> murdered his son, but he didn't. He just shot him. And where's where's James Conn's other son with the sideburns? What happened to that guy? Yeah, he's gone. He's he gone. doesn't come back. He's gone. You know who the best new addition to their family is? John Voight? No, the big fat dog that they have that you only see in the campfire scene. They got like a big fat like wiener dog that just hangs out by the fire. And I was like, I want more about that dog. That dog's awesome. Well, maybe in the third movie they make it about the dog. Oh, maybe it's called, yeah, maybe it's uh, J-Off Family Ranch 3. Orphan Dog. Dog Day Afternoon. I'd watch that. Yeah, John Voight. I'd he, have to. He needs to get gender reassignment surgery, and so they have to rob a bank because he gave all his money to tap in the form of cattle. 
And they, like, John Voight buys all the cattle, and then at the town meeting is like, well, we're not going to keep that cattle. We're giving it back to Tap. Like, so you're just going to, you spend a million dollars on cattle, and you're just going to give it back to him? That's wild, man. That's, don't do that. That's a bad use of your money. Keep that cattle. Yeah, I, um, no, he, well, to get back at him for burning down his family almost, he should definitely keep the cattle and watch him die a slow death. Yeah, of course. And then buy all his land and then piss on his grave. And that's the third movie, probably. James Caan looks like he's close to death in this movie. I thought many times that they had just, like, put a piece of wood in the back of his shirt to keep him standing upright. Like, he looks like he's just, like, barely holding it together, despite riding a horse a bunch and driving a big truck. And he just looks like he is not. He's on the cusp of death. He is mainly uh, in a sitting posture during most of this movie. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if when he is standing, they have a harness on him that's attached to a rope because he almost looks like he's just like <laughs> leaning forward as if he's being held yeah. ever so slightly. Oh, I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so that's one storyline that's happening with this friggin' money and James Conn, which is such a minor part of the movie. But again, James Conn is doing this to save his son and yet James Caan is the one who, like, gets humbled and humiliated at the end of the movie. Like, he doesn't deserve the treatment he gets at the end of this movie. He's, like, doing a really good thing to help his stupid loser son. And his son is, like, see, like treated like a hero by the end. And James Caan is, like, everyone's like, yeah, you should be humbled, James Caan. You should be down on your knees thanking all the townsfolk. Just seems really cruel to tap. I'm fully on tap. I'm team tap. I'm team tap too. He does Ooh, get respect from his son though, which he did shoot. Uh, so that's probably pretty big. I guess it's never brought up. The son doesn't like no. When him and his son reunite, and he's like, "My boy, welcome home, my boy." His son does not go, "Dad, remember when you shot me because you thought I was John Voight? Remember that?" I'm back. He doesn't immediately pull up his shirt and you see a bunch of scarring and yeah. say, look at this. You shot and almost killed me. Right. He, or maybe he should have been a ghost at the end of the movie <laughs> and like floated up. <laughs> right. He had rockets in his feet and he flew up to heaven. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That would have been a great ending because all these Hallmark endings happen way too fast. Oh, my God. This movie wraps up. This movie's a tight hour and 23 minutes, and it wraps every storyline up at, like, an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> like Then it's yeah. just, like, full speed ahead for the finish. It dawdles around and then just gas to the floor. And you really can see the commercial breaks in this. Oh, yeah. Like, it, they're very evident yeah. in this one. <laughs> yeah, big time. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is rated PG, so oh. they learn from their mistakes. I feel like PG needed to be the first one, and this one was rated G. Yeah, this one, I can't think of anything in this one that's like, that would be not okay for G, considering there's no armed standoff between a bunch of podunk hillbilly farmers and the cops. Uh, and nobody, like, threatening a man with his life while sitting there loading a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, by the main character who's supposed to be the good guy. That one was rated G. This one got a little wise and was parental guidance, even though it's way more of a vanilla movie. God, you know what I just realized? Where is Stephen Bauer in this movie? What happened to Mexican Stephen Bauer? I got fired along have, with yeah. the rest of the Mexican crew because I don't see them at all in this no, movie. No, he must have got Me too or something like that. Like he, he was trying to, he was hitting on Lenny. 
and they were just like, you're out of here, Stephen. I'm sorry. You, we can't have you around. You smelled her panties at, in the middle of the night. She caught you standing in her room while she was asleep, just staring at her. You, you can't be on the ranch anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah, and they shipped him back to Mexico. As they, yeah, they, they called ICE on him, and they were like, yeah, this guy's here <laughs> illegally. Get him out of here. Yeah, they tried ISIS. Didn't work. So then they called ICE, and <laughs> they got it done. <laughs> if there's, that's one thing you can say about ICE. They get the job done. Yeah, they're better than ISIS almost every time. I guess, yeah. Uh, so, Lenny. Let's get to Lenny, my least favorite character in this franchise, a person whom I hate. Uh, if you remember from the last movie, Lenny was all about finding out who her dad was, a.k.a. Caleb, a.k.a. the man that we thought John, James Caan shot and killed, uh, who's also his son. But now she's like, I guess he's alive because he's got $2 million worth of gambling debts. How do you rack up $2 million in gambling debts, too? That's a lot of money. Yeah, you got to have a lot of leverage, a lot of hotspot. But, like, being white, uh, tall, dark, and handsome probably goes a long way in a casino. Oh, You can probably just, like, kiss your way to, like, $2 million easy. <laughs> oh, put it all in black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, listen, sugar tits, give me that $2 million. <laughs> so Lenny's whole thing, she's decided to go find her dad. Because she goes, she sees Tap, and he's like, yeah, your dad's alive, and he's in, I don't know, Fort McMurray. I don't know where your dad's somewhere. And she goes, well, I better <laughs> yeah. go find my dad. So somehow she finds out where, her, like, she finds out the town that her dad's in, maybe, the last place he was seen. So her and James Conn's brother, no, John Voight's son, that's what I'm thinking of, they just drive. Her to, uncle. Her uncle. They drive to a community, and, like, with the, with the intention of finding her dad somehow no address all they have to go on is he's got two million dollars worth of debt in this town and they go no problem we'll find him well good thing you don't need to explain it or show any scenes of them grabbing him because <laughs> like five minutes later in the next scene they just like introduce him when they're when they're trying uh when henry's trying to propose again he's yeah. trying to do a do-over proposal he's mustered up all this courage during dinner and then lenny has to come in and bring uh, Terry Polo's ex-lover. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. The way that Lenny treats Terry Polo in this movie is despicable. Like, her mom, she she doesn't tell her mom that she's leaving to go find her dad. She just leaves. And then, so Terry Polo's, like, calling her, being like, like, oh my, is my daughter all right? And she's just ignoring her mom's calls. And she says to her uncle, she's like, yeah, if I, if I, like, if I pick up the phone with her, she's going to convince me to, to, she's going to try to convince me to stop going to see my dad. So I just have to go see my dad. And at no point does he go, yeah, but you could just, like, ignore that. You could just, like, talk to your mom, tell her that you're alive and that you're okay, and then tell her that you're going to, like, she's not, she can't force you to turn this car around and go back home. You could still just keep going. She's such a selfish, awful person in this movie. It could be a robot Jeep that uh, Terry Polo does have uh, <laughs> control over. Right, much like so Die Another Day. We, yeah. we don't know that. Yeah, much like the world is not enough, uh, James Bond has that robot car. Same as this. Yeah. Well, rich ranchers in the southern heart of America definitely have access to Tesla-style robotic uh, Jeeps. Is it just me, or, or does Lenny's makeup look much worse in this movie? Like, Lenny is, like, a, like a uncomfortable looking in this movie. This is a makeup style that I personally do not get. It looks like... There's a bunch of tan lotion that's covered in a, a lot of makeup. 
Yeah. And it's just not something that I, I get at all as a look, but it seems to be very popular. I guess she's got jet black eyebrows and like just it's just such a it's just such a bad look on her. And I just with how selfish she is and what a bad person she is in this movie, I go, Well, I guess I get why they made you look ridiculous with your makeup so because you're just a, a bad person i feel like the lips it all comes down to the lips they seem too big and too uh shaped in a certain way that seems unnatural really she like put a cup over her mouth and then like sucked on the cup and then it made her lips puff up like she's kendall jenner and then the outside went wider somehow mm-hmm, yeah. it's uh it's a great look i love it i think she looks like a cute pumpkin Everyone in her life is telling her, don't go look for your dad. Don't look for your dad. Don't bring your dad back. We don't want your dad here. And she goes, but I want him here. And they go, yeah, but like everyone else doesn't. So please don't bring him back. She goes, I'm doing it anyway. I'm just, it's for me. I'm going to just do this. It's like, you're you're a terrible person, Lenny. You're, I have so many notes written about Lenny in all caps because I was just mad at Lenny this whole time. And like as when she brings him back and he's uh, spending time with her and the rest of the family, even at that point, they kind of bring her aside and say, hey, like, can you get this guy out of here? He's no longer welcome here. He's just bringing strife and bullcrap to <laughs> yeah. uh, this family. And she's and she just echoes that same thing again. It's just like, no, this is good for me. I want him here. Yeah. At one point, she's talking to her mom, Terry Polo, and she goes, I'm sorry, mom. I just didn't want you to talk me out of it. And her mom goes, it isn't always about you, Lenny. And he'll go, yeah, that's correct. That should be the sentiment from everyone this entire movie. Lenny, you're like 23 years old. It's time to learn that the world doesn't revolve around you. And if everyone else says we don't want Caleb back in our lives, then it's very unfair of you to bring him in and then go, you can just stay at the ranch. It's no big deal. Yeah, live at the ranch with my family who hate you. He better be paying for an Airbnb room at least. He's at not. the very least. He's I not. guess he owes like $2 million. Yeah, well, exactly. And then he's like, he's he immediately starts trying to worm his way back into Terry Polo's life. Like, she's, she's like, saddling up a horse, and he walks up to her and goes, so how long are you going to keep ignoring me? And she's like, you abandoned me for 23 years. What do you mean how long am I going to keep ignoring you? You walked out of my life, bro. You don't just get to walk back in and demand my attention. That's crazy talk. Yeah, he demands to go for a horse ride with her, and lo and behold, he takes her to a place where they carved a heart <sighs> and their names into a tree. <sighs> and just like, come on, man, you you can't be doing this. This is this is why you're in debt for two million dollars because you're a piece of crap. Yeah, you're a total scumbag, bro. Like, just a piece of crap. And then when they come back from their horse ride, the sheriff sees them and is like, "Hey, um, so I'm gonna call off the wedding." <laughs> Like, like they're supposed they're supposed to get married next month, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm just gonna call off the wedding for now until you, Terry Polo, figure out what you want out of life. Because you're going for romantic horse rides with your ex lover Caleb, and I'm over here with my channel in my hand, looking like a total goof in front of everybody. So figure out your life, Terry Polo and Caleb. And ugh, the sheriff would be wise to stay far away from these people, but he doesn't. He loves her." Yes, uh, definitely Nip Tuck looks like the most normal person out of everybody in this movie. He yeah. just 
He's a little bit nervous. He's a little bit of a beta, but he probably lays really good pipe. Oh, yeah. He's a very generous lot. He loves the 69. And he goes, you don't even have to worry about your half of it. I'll take care of all of it. I'll, I'll S my own D. I, I think it's bullcrap for Caleb to even stay at this ranch whatsoever. Yeah. He, he should have popped in and then left, like, right away. But um, I, I was hoping Terry Polo would pick him. <laughs> well, fair enough. Fair's fair. <laughs> like I think that would have been a funny turn. And it would have been uh, great. Sheriff just has to take it, yeah. and everybody's happy. Sheriff falls in love with James Con, and then uh, they just have a beautiful. <laughs> those do have a beautiful marriage. Well, he has been a bachelor for like twenty years, so he probably has a couple mil in the bank, and he can like be the sugar daddy to James Con. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, like. When when Lenny and Terry Polo are talking and and Terry Polo goes, yeah, the wedding is off. And Lenny goes, what happened? Like, fuck you, Lenny. You know what happened. You brought your deadbeat dad back into the situation. He started horn dogging your mom. What are you talking about? Why are you surprised that this is happening? This is one hundred percent your fault, Lenny. She's the true villain of this whole movie. Yes. She- <laughs> she uh treats everybody terribly she's only thinking about herself uh but i think as far as a hallmark movie she you're the one that's supposed to, she's the one that like you're supposed to feel bad for ridiculous and that's total insanity james con is the one i feel bad for i feel so bad for james con in this movie I feel like yeah, you can barely move. Oh yeah, when Caleb and Lenny are talking, and she goes, "Oh, the wedding's the wedding's been postponed." Caleb and his eyes light up, and he's like, "Your mom postponed the wedding?" And she's like, "No, the sheriff postponed it." And he's like, "Oh, okay. Look, Lenny, I should I probably shouldn't stay here. I feel like me being here is opening up a lot of old wounds." And she goes, "No, not for me. It's the opposite. I don't want you to leave." <laughs> well, f you, Lenny. <laughs> God, you suck so much. After all this, he like. He gives her an out. Like, he lets her uh, end all this with his permission. And she just doubled down uh, <laughs> yeah. doubled down on her uh, selfishness. Yeah. And it's like, no, you are helping me. You're the best. Like, if he, what, what's the difference if he stays at the ranch or if he stays in a motel in the city, Lenny? You can still go visit him and get to know him. He doesn't have to live on the ranch and stick his nose in everyone's business where it doesn't belong. Yeah, maybe go stay with your father that you haven't seen for 20 years. Oh, no, I can't or face like, my father. I don't want to face my father right now. Why? Because he paid off your $2 million gambling debt that you racked up, you bozo. This guy's a real bozo. He's he's bozo the clown number one. I hate these people. I hate them. I think I hate John Voight now, too, for raising such a bad daughter who raised such a bad granddaughter. <laughs> well, that is very suspect. Um, I'm just glad John Voight isn't the father of uh, <laughs> Me too. Lady. That would have been great if she was like, where is my dad? And they go, he's been right here this whole time. He's John Voight. He's right here. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's him putting that shotgun in his mouth. He's like, my chickens yeah. have come home to roost. <laughs> well, <laughs> toe on at the least tri- I was a sheriff. Toe on the trigger. Remember me as the sheriff? <laughs> <laughs> it's the AB. <laughs> JCJV. <laughs> I love John Voight after this. Episode. He's he, John Voight is like a like a little scamp in this movie. He's like making faces. He's going whoo! Like he's like having fun with the kids. John Voight is very funny in this movie, and it's even funnier knowing that he's just like 
a Trump lunatic at this time in his life. Like he's fully off the rails of reality at this point. And he's just like all in on Trump and QAnon and stuff. And then this movie is just like, Oh, bo- boogity boogity. It's me, your grandpa. Well, he gets to live his uh, best life. Finally, he has a new hip. Uh, I think we can see from <laughs> yeah. the evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just living his best night life now. He can move around. People are paying attention to him because he's a crazy uh, Republican whack job. Mm-hmm. And uh, top of the mountain again, I guess. Top of the mountain. Tip top, top, top of the world. But then the wedding happens. Well, and then, like, Tap and Caleb just make up. Like, t- Caleb just goes to his yeah. dad and says, like, hey, all's forgiven. I love you again. And they go, okay, great. Don't even mention that you shot me in the face, dad. Don't even worry about that. So that, like, that storyline just gets hand-waved away. The $2 million worth of debt just gone. Who cares? Yeah, they figure it out. They pilfer from the community, and they figure it out. Yeah, and then, yeah, the, then the wedding is happening. Well, yeah, the whole community sequence is so crazy because at one point John Voigt goes, Come on, people. Tap Peterson helped everyone in this barn one way or the other. And I go, did he? Give me examples of when, because that's not who he seems to be in the last movie. He seems like a real selfish son of a gun. So who whomst is this man to the community? Yeah, he wore a black hat and a black jacket and black pants in the last movie. He is the bad guy. He probably tried to steal from everyone whenever he could all the time. Yeah, he was, he was trying to steal from you in the last movie, John Voight. He he had government agents fake documents in order to steal land from your ranch. What do you mean he's helped everybody on this in this community? Yeah, this guy should be in pr- prison for the rest of his life for you know uh, creating false documents and yeah. being a traitor to his entire country. I mean, I guess that must have just gone away, huh? Like that whole yeah. the whole JL family ranch. Four years came and went. Nothing happened. It's fine. Honestly, I feel like this was a script for, like, a different ranch movie. Yep. And they were like, well, we have to do JL Ranch, too. Let's just do this. Yeah, let's just do this. It's good enough. Like, <laughs> good enough. James Kong gets so humbled in this movie, but it's not his fault. His son fricked his whole life up, and then Tap cleaned it up, and has been ruined for it, and then he leaves hat in hand, while his son Caleb just gets, like, his daughter and a new family, and just, like, gets everything, all the good things in his life, despite not learning any lessons about it, and, like, being a piece of crap person the entire time. It's such a weird morale and lesson in this movie. Yeah, this movie should have ended with definitely Caleb getting Terry Polo and marrying her at yes, the end. Yes. But also, like, having his hand over her and then being in the middle with his daughter on the other side. <laughs> and he looks behind him to the camera and goes, everything's going to be great now. <laughs> and that's JL Family <laughs> The best thing about being a teen girl is getting to have a cowgirl summer. Uh, John Boyd. Yeah, maybe we'll watch Midnight Cowboys. I doubt it. But God told us to change. Two on the nose. No anaconda. For the summer, we're watching John Boyd flicks. So yeah, kind of works. Horses and teens, I would have dreamed. Some I'm freaking fit up. Maybe we should watch an episode Man, of NYPD Blue. Man, I feel Blue like a cowgirl. Oh, as long as I see Dennis Franz's ass. This is our summer theme song. 